Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Today's episode is going to be filled with so much juicy goodness. I'm talking with Dr. Lucy Burns and Lucy is a medical doctor. She's a weight management expert, a behavior change specialist, an ex-yo-yo dieter, a medical hypnotherapist, speaker, writer and podcast host and a wannabe crochet geek. Love, love, love that. Hey, Lucy, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Catherine. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this chat. And it's I love that we can get together in the comfort of our own homes, in the comfort of our, you know, comfy clothes that we've got on and just have a beautiful chat. Yay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And look, you're in a T-shirt and I'm in some gigantic jumper. So uh, clearly we're in different parts of Australia. Different parts of Australia. Where are you coming from? Where are you? I'm down uh, Mornington Peninsula, right down the southern part of Victoria. And have you always lived in Victoria? Yes, yes. Born, bred in Melbourne and moved. Mornington Peninsula is about maybe 70 minutes from the city. So, um, yeah, so it's great. It's great. So are you on the beach? No, we're just inland. We're just inland. We've got five acres. So we've got sort of a little mini farm. And I'm just looking out at our baby. We've got a mini cow and uh, his name's it's very, it's like an ingenious name. It's Mr. Moo. And I love it. Yeah, he's super cute. And uh, we've got three horses and a goat and a couple of lizards and a frog and three actually just got a puppy. So four dogs and three cats. And do you have humans there as well? Are there humans? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're they're the humans guard, the humans, the two, we call them kidults now, so they're adult children, deliver at home, and they're in charge of all the pets. Oh, I love that. I love that so much because I love that you mentioned all the fur and scale babies before the human. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been on the farm for? How long have you been on the farm? 20 years, 20 years. We moved here when my eldest was about 18 months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and look, it's been, I mean, seriously, I look at their childhood. They had the childhood. I had a great childhood, so I can't complain. But they've had the one that I kind of wanted. Like I always had coveted having a horse in my backyard. And, uh, yeah, they've got it. Mm. So I'm lucky things. Lucky, lucky things. And that's my wish list. Ours is on. So I've been dreaming of that to do a sea change and have a oh, little yeah. farm by the the coast and that looks like it's kind of coming to fruition in I reckon the next six months which I'm super excited 
And Absolutely. my husband, yeah, yeah, my husband, he does not. I'm, I'm talking about all the little fur babies that we'll have there as well, because my kids are grown up as well and left home. So I'll, I'll pick your brains when we're ready to move. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, wonderful. <laughs> now, you're a doctor, you're a medical doctor. Mm. It is, how did you know that you wanted to be a doctor? Was that something straight from school that you, you were you one of these people that knew exactly what you wanted to do? Not at all. Not at all. And, in fact, back, you know, back in the days when we went to school, basically there was sort of only one path. You went to school, you got some marks, you went to uni, and if you didn't go to uni, you went and did a trade or worked in a shop. They were like, that was sort of the three-pronged approach. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go to uni. But I wanted to do a course where you came out and you were something. So not like an arts course or a science course where you then had to kind of then think about, well, what is your job going to be? So I, I kind of laughed because I put down medicine because I thought, oh, good, yeah, I'll be a doctor. Law, oh, good, I'd be a lawyer. And physio, oh, good, I'd be a physio. And now that I know what lawyers do, I'd be a rubbish lawyer. I'd be terrible <laughs> at it. And same with physio, because the one thing I really not very good at and don't like that much in, in medicine is musculoskeletal medicine. So it's like, ooh. So yeah, so no, it was, it was just a fluke. One of the things that is so great about medicine though is it's really broad and you can really curate it to what your interests are. And I look at my career and it's changed enormously over the, you know, in fact, 30 years I've been a doctor. Yeah. So where did you start off? Did you start off as with general practice or yeah, so did I you specialise? Yeah, I did all my hospital training as you had to do. You have to do, even back then, you had to do specialised general practice training. So I did all of that, did GP, and that worked really well, particularly when my kids were little and, you know, I changed practices a number of times just because we moved or the kids were small or whatever. And so it was really great. Then I had a little foray into the Australian Defence Force, and I wasn't in the defence, but I worked for them. So I was a contractor. And down where we live, there's a big naval base just down the road. And so, yeah, that was good. I did that for about 15 years. And, again, great job for when I was, you know, raising the kids, but a little bit, I don't want to say boring, a little bit boring. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with a bit boring. Yeah, cool. And yeah. got to the point where actually it wasn't, it was no longer lighting my fire. So, yeah, so, and look, along the way, I think you know how you talk to people and you found out how did you get into your area that you're in and often it's it's about themselves like that's because they had a problem or they had an issue or they had an interest and um and that's really how I got into weight management and metabolic health was because I had a problem uh unbeknownst to me I basically and I reckon lots of women particularly our age might get this where you've spent your whole life dieting so you're either on a diet well I was either on a yeah, diet yeah, or yeah, yeah. on a bender yeah diet or bender they were the only two sort of gears I knew perfect or eating all the chocolate before I had to go back on another diet and so yeah this up and down up and down and then one day I was sort of I just sort of went oh you know what I'm just I'm not doing dieting anymore I'm just going to be a bit frumpy I'm fine I'm you know I'm premenopausal my husband still loves me I'll just get elastic pants won't matter (laughs) who cares and I just sort of was eating all the things until I then got a diagnosis of fatty liver disease and pre-diabetes and it was like ah Damn you help we have to do something damn you help (laughs) yeah 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 because up until then 
seriously, I was just a child of the 80s yep. obsessed with being Elle McPherson or Cindy Crawford or any of those, and it was all just about being thin. Because that's, again, that's what we were all... Can I ask how old you are now? Can I ask? Do you mind? Yeah, 50. 50, I just turned 55. 55, okay. So I'm two years ahead of you, so the same same demographic, yeah, yeah, 57. Yeah. And it was the same. It was almost like this feast or famine, this yo-yo, and there was like all these diets that would get thrown at you, and it was kind of like... It wasn't okay if you weren't stick thin. That's certainly how I felt. And I was not, I was not, never been stick thin, could never be stick thin. Do you know, the weird thing was that I started my first diet when I was 16 and it was the Scarsdale diet. I don't know if you remember that no, one. No, I don't know that one. That's probably the one I haven't been on. Oh, yeah. Look, it was another bit of bullshit like all the others. Yeah. I was actually not, I wasn't, like I look back, I wasn't even, you know, at the time I thought I was so fat. Oh my God, I'm so fat. How embarrassing. I'm so fat. I didn't want to go outside because, you know, I was so fat. And I look back, I go, I wasn't even fat. Mm-hmm. But yet I started, started at 16. It's such, it's so destructive. It yeah. truly, truly is. And you, you don't learn anything. You don't learn how to eat properly. You don't learn how to trust your body. You don't know how to trust your food. You're scared of food. And then it's like the, the floodgates that open and you don't, give a crap about any of that you just want to eat everything you can until you have to go back onto this diet of some sort yeah we had um god i can relate to that so much what you were saying that yo-yo yo-yoing and mine started i can't even remember a first diet but mine was a result my mum passed away when i was 12 and mine was a classic emotional, not knowing how to deal with the emotions. So food was a a pacifier, I guess. And yeah. it was about, yeah. you know, there's no joy in life, but if I can eat and eat and eat, so I would eat and get, do you know what, I didn't even get joy out of eating, but then I would put on this weight and I would feel even worse about myself. And then I would go, yeah. that would then trigger the famine, like restriction. Yes. And then I'd lose this yeah. weight, like not even a lot of weight, but I'd lose some weight. And then I'd go, oh, I've been really good. So now I'll just start eating and eating and eating again. <laughs> and my body, yeah. I just did not know, Lucy, what I was doing even to my body, let alone my mind, let alone just my life. It was just a constant no. misery gut eating. Ah, uh, and you know, it's, I mean, this is the thing I reckon about weight management that's, that's complex in that it isn't just as simple as, well, eat less, move more, which is what everyone says, diet and exercise or one word. It's not, it's not that. On one level, it is, you know, you what you eat matters, how you move matters, but it's not just eat less and move more. It's eat differently and move differently. And then it's quite different and it's so different. And, you know, and I just think that, I, I mean, it seems to be, again, I don't know if, if younger people these days are subjected to the fad dieting that we were, that possibly are. I mean, it depends on which part of society I, I think yeah. you go to. I think, you know, they have different pressures. We had magazines, Dolly and Bloody Cleo and Cosmo Wait, and all of those. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've got TikTok and Insta and lip fillers and Botox. At least we didn't have all that. Mm, thank God, yeah. Thank God. Yeah. So the tricky thing is that, and I do a little, I do a talk on my webinars that I do from time to time. It's called the maintenance myth because for lots of us, when we went on these diets and even when I went to Weight Watchers, which is where I thought I was doing the healthy diet, like there were some that I knew weren't healthy, like the bloody Israeli army diet. Did you do that? No, I haven't done that. Two days of apple, (laughs) two days of cheese, (laughs) two days of chicken or something. And like you kind of have at the back of your mind, that's probably not ideal. But this sort of illusion that you would do something, get to a point where you you lost whatever weight it was you wanted to lose, then there'd be maintenance. Mm. And maintenance was this idea that you kind of got to eat more. So it would always be, oh, don't worry, you can have that when you're in maintenance. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Do that when you're in maintenance. So it was like this idea that what you do in maintenance is different to what you're doing to lose the weight. And it's actually, it's, it's like scientifically that, that just doesn't work. And there's this fantastic study that was done like in the fifties. So old, a long, long time ago called the Minnesota semi-starvation study. And it was done to look at the effects of semi-starvation from war times. Mm-hmm. So they basically got this bunch of, and they were men. So it's different. Again, you know, all studies are done on men back in the olden days, but it was done on men and they got 30 or so of these blokes and they were actually people that were, uh, wouldn't, you know, with, with conscription, they denied, they didn't want to be conscripted. So instead of putting them in jail, they put them in this experiment and it was, um, for, it went for a year. And so for the first three months and they all lived together and all this sort of stuff. In the first three months, they fed them 3000 calories. Which again, you and I know that sounds like an enormous amount of food because you know I did 800 calorie diet. I've done like yes, I've calorie diet. (laughs) These folks had 3,000 calories and they did a little bit of exercise and they were weight neutral for this three months, so that was fine. Then they halved their calories to just over 1,500, which to me, again, as an ex-starter, I thought, oh, that's Plenty. They're still all right. 1500. Yeah, they're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's plenty of food. But, um, interestingly, over time, all of these changes occurred both physically and psychologically. So psychologically, the things that happened were they became obsessed with food and they started like all they could talk about was food. And then they started reading recipe books. And then they started hoarding recipe books and then they started talking about all the food they were going to eat when the experiment had finished. (laughs) And then some of them were even hoarding things like cooking equipment, some wooden spoons and just thinking, so there's a bit of me thinking, oh, I used to do that. Yeah, I was going to say I could be in that experiment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was psychologically what happened. Physically what happened, they, yeah, of course they lost weight. But they didn't, it wasn't linear, as in they didn't just lose the same amount each week based on this calorie restriction. Over time, some of them would stop losing. So because it was an experiment, what they would then do is cut the calories even more to ensure that they kept losing. And some of them got down to like 400 calories a day so that they would keep losing. And then, I know, so no, and then of course they were actually hungry. So there was hunger. 
this psychological obsession with food and then they started getting the physical effects. So they'd get cold, they'd be walking around with jumpers, their hair would fall out, their fingernails would stop growing, their heart rate would slow. So basically their body was slowing down their metabolic rate to because it recognized there wasn't any food coming in. So that's what people, when people talk about, oh, my God, you're in starvation mode, that's what these guys were in. And then they got to the end of the six months and they said, okay, go back to eating your normal food now. So they did that. And, of course, you know what happened? Well, they all put on their weight, Mm -hmm. yes. Yay, boom. And they followed them for another 12 months after the experiment finished and they continued to gain past their original point with this, you know, normal amount of food. So the food that originally kept them weight neutral, suddenly the same amount of food made them uh, gain gain fat. And they will lose. But the other interesting thing was that they'd lost a significant amount of muscle. So the the number on the scales at the start versus the end, even when it was the same, their body composition was completely different. And so it's like a... And I look and I think, I reckon I did that little mini experiment on myself maybe, you know, 50 times. Yeah, same. Do you know, what? I, I can see yeah. that. I We used to, my husband and I, when the kids were little, there's a place here in Canberra called the Tradies and it's the Tradesman's Club or something. They used to have tram carriages and you'd go into yeah. the restaurant in the tram carriage, but they would have schnitzel and they would do this double huge, like even one of the schnitzels would be, way it'd be enough for four of us but anyway they used to do double so my husband and I would go okay let's go to the tradies and have a schnitty because we'll go on a diet tomorrow like we would go double double meal going okay so now that was about the mindset then we would do that Mm. famine bit you know for however long and it just wasn't sustainable it was just ridiculously pressure on ourselves not good role models for the kids and then we would put weight back on and then we'd go, oh, fuck, now we've got to go to the tradies again and have another schnitty so we can lose weight. Done. Yeah, so then we can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But this is how we grew up and this is why I always say to, you know, or any of our clients, I say to them, you know what, I know you think that being overweight's your fault, that, you know, you've just eaten too much and, you know, but it's actually our conditioning, our modelling how we were taught, what diet culture taught us to do, which was perfect, or, you know, or you're cheating. So, you know, words around dieting are so awful because it's all about cheating, breaking your diet, not being strong enough, having no willpower, being weak. And it's it's rubbish. It's very unhealthy, isn't it? Physically unhealthy, but mentally unhealthy. I, I had a change in relationship, and I can't say that I've, been perfect since then at all but when I my kids when I was you know being a role model for the kids it was kind of like that's not really a great role model to be doing this yo-yo dieting and I think when my son I put on a lot of weight with my son and I just went you know what that's not healthy I want to look after myself in a in a like a healthy as possible way that I can do it. You know, still experimenting a bit. Can I ask you, Lucy, like you work, you're a a weight management specialist. What's the demographic of your clients? Are they our, are they kind of, is there a demographic or not? Yeah, absolutely. So initially, I guess a lot of, we we predominantly seem to attract women. We certainly have 
a subset of men. And a lot of the reason I think uh, women seek us out is that, you know, I, I've been them. I am them. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. And so they see that and that therefore go and, and being able to have, you know, changed my relationship with food, lost that 20 kilos that I was that has never come back. Like it's never yo-yoed, you know, maybe a, a kilo here or there, but not 10 on, 10 off, you know, 10 on, 20. Oh, none of that. None of those sort of wild things. I often describe it now as I used to think about driving down the road of life and you're on this sort of careering out of control. You're on one side and you're on the other side and you're on one side and it's like just completely feeling out of control. And now I'm sort of just in the middle and I've got this little lane assist that just does a bit of this. And it's oh, I so, love it. I love that. I know. So much more peaceful, I guess. So we, I mean, you know, as you know, I work with Dr. Mary and we spend a lot of time talking to people about diet culture, about behavior, about being able to change your relationship with food. And it's interesting because there's a little subset of men in there that have also been influenced by diet culture, not nearly as heavily as women. As women. Because for them, yeah, again, and blokes, their, their identity was never tied as much or their value or their worth in society in our generation was never tied as much to their physical being. Whereas even now, I think though, young guys now, you know, I think they're going to have a lot more we're going to see a lot more coming forward as we've now glorified men's bodies as well i would predict that that's my prediction that there'll probably be there's there's pockets of men i think that because i experience that when i'm coaching there's pockets of men that sort of Mm. have that low self-esteem and Mm. not necessarily body related although some of them it has been but i think probably younger guys might experience i think it's possibly a little bit more pressure around having to look a certain way and yeah mm. and I think the other interesting thing and you alluded to it earlier in some respects is that you know being particularly and again you know even the words that we use around overweight and obese obese is such a a, a, a bad word it is used you know as a slur and mm. as an insult like mm. a lot of medical mm. terminology is ends up becoming but what we do know is that trauma is is a very strong route for a lot of this because people seek solace in food and it's when you're 12 or 7 and you've got no other skills and you don't know what else you can do you can raid the cupboard because it's it's there and it works you know, if food didn't make us feel better, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So it works, and that's the sort of conundrum. You've got this thing where you've got this need to fill, and we can do it with food, and it's very effective. And doing it every now and then well, doesn't have any health implications at all. But when that's our only tool and that becomes the thing we do all the time, then we can develop some health implications with it. And that's where it becomes then this problematic thing. And people feel so bad and I go, oh, God, please don't feel bad. Like you haven't robbed a bank. All you've done is used a tool that at one stage served you so incredibly well and perhaps now doesn't serve you as well. 
Yeah. I like one of your little quotes is about you can't hate yourself thin and you can't berate yourself well. You can't, you know, and that's the same with just living life, whether it's about our health and wellness or any area of life. If we hate ourselves and criticise ourselves, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy strategy. When you were talking about the, you know, the habits and, and we do what we do because they're our coping mechanisms, I can, so that was 45 years ago that my mum passed away. I still yeah. have a trigger. If I'm tired, if I'm overwhelmed, I will get that sense of I need something to soothe me and it will be a food yeah. thing. I will go and stand yeah. at the cupboard and it's just I need something. So I've recognised the patterns that are the triggers for me, which I didn't, you know, that's taken a lot of years to do it. Mm. And I love your little analogy about the lane assist down the highway because the lane, you know, there are some days where I just go, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to have the, yeah. I'm a savoury kind of, I tend to. You yeah, know, you're a savoury tooth. Salty savoury <laughs> tooth, yeah. You know, fuck it, I'm going to have that and it's okay. Yeah. But Mm. it's when I start to go, actually, I'm going to have more of it, more of it, more of it, and that obsession comes in again, then it's just like, uh uh-uh, that's not, that doesn't help. Yeah. 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 And this is the, I mean, you know, we've got people moralising of food and there's, you know, it's tricky because processed food is designed by the processed food companies to be overeaten. They make it like that. They do it on purpose that Pringles ad of once you pop you can't stop it they do that on purpose but then if you develop you know a obesity related issue it's like oh that's that's your fault we said part of a balanced diet it's like yeah but you've made it so hyper palatable you've marketed it within an inch of its life and now because I've fallen for your sneaky tricks you're telling me it's my fault and that's where I just oh god if I could it makes my blood boil and that it was the one thing that I just am so angry about because they start young and so they start when with children and uh, yeah yeah I'm the same that that really annoys me we went we traveled to Cambodia and Thailand and we spent a bit of time there and it was cheaper for them to buy like they were feeding their kids Red Bull and yeah. Coke because it was cheaper to get that than it was to get bottled water. And it was yeah. either Red Bull and they had this whole – I got so angry I had to leave. They had this truck driving around with the big alarms on it and it was a special competition that if you came and bought whatever Red Bull, you would go into an entry to win a motorbike. Now, motorbikes are really highly prized in you know out in the middle of nowhere – and they were just the same thing. They were getting people addicted. Made me angry. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, made me angry. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I can see it happens in, in so many industries. Like I look and go gambling ads. Yeah. You know, in Australia now, they're, they're com- food, you know, the, the companies that are tied to, to kids sport. Yeah. They're not doing it because they're benevolent. No. They're doing it because it works and it's their job to make money for shareholders and that's all they're actually interested in. And they'll dress it up as some other thing, but it's a wolf in sheep's clothing and it just 
So yeah, I think it's, 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 so it's definitely not when we come boil it all back down. You know, being overweight is definitely not just, uh, oh, well, you ate too much and you didn't move enough. No. So what are some, what are some of the things that we can do if we're kind of getting a little bit conned in the supermarket? What are some things that we can do? Like you've got a number of programs, but also when you're consulting with your clients, what are some of the, the tips for us? To manage our, uh, to to manage that healthy weight, or if we are even a little bit overweight, what we can do. So I think the first thing is, I mean, we we our, our principal also are definitely real food. So whole food is you know as close to nature intended it to be is always the most helpful choice. Now again, another if I'm not banging on about you know Coke and Red Bull, I'm banging on about health foods. The health food aisle should actually be called the unhealth food aisle because in it is packaged food that's dressed up as health food when it's not. And so it's health washed with things like high protein, high fiber, high, you know, uh, low GI. And it sounds reasonable and unsuspecting people are buying foods like this for their kids and it's just garbage. So and and I get it. It is harder in this society where you've got kids who are, you know, buying little packets of things that are always in shiny, coloured, brightly coloured things. It's hard to kind of compare a few cherry tomatoes with that. <laughs> Going what? <laughs> and you know, even to the point where fruit these days has had to. You know, it's modified and there's a a particular brand of grapes called fairy floss grapes that have been bred to be higher in sugar and half of it is because they're trying to compete with tiny teddies. Oh, God. But that then for we start to go and go, well, God, even fruit's really high in sugar these days. It's still way better than a Mars bar, but it's not quite as healthy necessarily as we've all been led to believe. And again, it's not our fault. You know, again, you and I, we grew up in the, in the low fat era where low fat guidelines were there. And that's been just a serious disaster. We now know that fat in our diet is really quite helpful. It's useful for our vitamins. It's useful for many of our metabolic hormones. It's useful for keeping us full. And, you know, we don't need to live on a dry piece of toast or a piece of steak that's, that, you know, tastes like a piece of leather, which is what, you know, I, I, that's what I did when I wasn't, even when I wasn't on a diet, I had dry toast. You know what? It's interesting because the fats, I love fats. <laughs> I love yeah. them. And nothing better than a steak with that really nice little, you know, edge of fat on it. Yeah. But we're not talking or any fats, are we? We're talking there's good fats and not so good fats, aren't there? Yeah. In, look, and again, in general, anything that is made in, in a factory is is unlikely to be good for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and again, that's a that's a broad statement. And 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 I guess in you know, as part of what we teach in a lot of our programs, I, I usually I have a list because again, I'm not making. Passata from scratch, you know. No, I'm no, so, no. so you know, it's not like I'm out, you know, hand picking my own spinach leaves or anything like that. But so you've got to be sensible. But there's 
there's the you know the the good and the and the very unhelpful products out there that are marketed as time saving devices. And, you know, they don't, they don't save us time. We can make, and in fact, you, you've probably seen, I do a little cooking show on Facebook on a Tuesday night and it's called Real Food Real Fast. It's, oh, look, I can't, I'm not a cook. I'm not fancy. <laughs> I just fling together whole pile of stuff in a pot, makes a delicious food. We have a little hashtag called hashtag ugly food, but it's so incredibly delicious and um, it doesn't have to be hard. And I think that's where, People have, they've just lost touch with what to actually do because it's been taken away from us. It's been taken away. We're either counting, measuring, weighing, tallying up points, counting macros. We're no longer in tune with our hunger, with our satiety. We don't know what we want. We eat mindlessly. We plonk in front of the telly. And really, I think you gave such a great point of that knowing your triggers, like learning to know yourself. You know, and we always say weight loss is, it's more than a meal plan. It's like a personal development journey. And when you learn to know yourself and know what's easy to regulate, and I love that word of regulating because there's foods that, you know, I can eat a piece of bread and I I don't want a whole loaf. I couldn't kill it. In fact, to the point where I couldn't even bother to eat the piece of bread in the first place. But, you know, a Lindor ball, if I have a Lindor ball, I'm likely to want the whole pal- the whole box. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> it's still easier for me to have none yeah. than one. Yeah. But I can eat some berries with a beautiful cream on it. It's so delicious. You can taste it. You get your taste back. It's so gorgeous. But I don't need to eat a whole field of berries and a whole cow of cream. No. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? For me, when I'm working with my clients, I have a life wheel which divides life up into these different segments and yeah. I get the clients to just rate where they're at now in life out of 10. And are there any areas that sort of need some attention? I don't believe that we can have a 10 out of 10 life all the time. I think, you know, there's ups and downs. and But one of those segments is health and wellness. And for me, that is one of my priority areas because, you know, sure, having money, having a great relationship, having a job that I love, they're all great. But if I don't have my health, I can't mm. do anything with that money. I'll be, you know, a misery guts because so health and wellness is absolutely my highest priority. And the oldest, older that I've got, I guess the more serious I take that because the number of years are getting less that I've got left. So I want to make the most of life. And it's really about knowing my gran used to say this, Lucy, you know, everything in moderation. She would, you know, say, have a little bit of this, but don't overdo it. And Mm. I sort of live a little bit like that. If you put peanut butter cups in front of me, I'm like you. I have to either do not have them or just have the whole packet. Yeah. So we we actually have a, a little change on that everything in moderation because I don't actually think that everybody can moderate everything. Okay, cool. And Let me know. Some, yeah, yeah. In some ways, it's a little bit like alcohol. So there are some people that will have you know a glass of wine at Christmas and that's it. They couldn't care less about it. Yeah. There are other people that can have, uh, and I fall a little bit into this. I can have a glass of wine. I put the bottle in the fridge and I forget about it which seems like if that was Tim Tams, it's like, really? Where there are other people who open the bottle and then kind of drink 
two-thirds of it and then think, oh, well, I might as well finish it off now. And then you've got the sort of third category, which are people that whose, for whatever reason, alcohol just rules their life and, and you know, we know those reasons are all very complicated and even despite severe adverse outcomes, you know, they lose their house, their marriage, their health, they still can't stop. So that's that true addiction. Yeah. Most people, yeah. you know, fall somewhere in the middle. But, yes, certainly with some foods, it's I can't, even though I've tried, I can't moderate. Yeah, okay. So yeah. even though I've done all the things, I've said, oh, well, look, I will. I'm going to buy the peanut butter cups and I'm just going to have two a night. <laughs> Uh, so it's not denying myself. So I've tried, you know, so when people go, don't restrict, it's like, okay, what you need to, what the way I think about it is I go, well, in some products, it is easier for me to have none than some. Yeah. It is easier for me to go, you know what? I don't want that. Just, I'm just not interested. It's not in my house. It's not in my cupboard. It's not actually anywhere near me. I already know that when I have one, my brain goes, ooh, ooh, that was fun. Goody, goody. Can I have another one? You go, no, you've had one. No, have another one. Oh, all right, have another one. No, don't restrict. Okay, well, not restricting. I'm going to have a third. Well, in fact, while I'm not restricting, I'm going to eat the whole packet. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, yeah. And then Actually, you go, I do agree with that, even though my grand was saying, maybe I was just using that to, um, as an excuse to say, I can have a little bit, a little bit of this. So I, I do. You know what I think um, it is though? is when people have restricted in the past, it's restricting everything. Yes. So you're doing the semi-starvation study and then you turn into the bloke who's obsessed with recipe books. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to restrict to the point where our physiology is screaming at us to eat and we're thinking that hunger is a character flaw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I we don't want that. We absolutely don't want that. You've got some really cool programs as well, haven't you? I've completed your four-week body rebalance program. Love, love, yeah. loved it because there's a couple of things that I loved about it is yourself and Dr. Mary are just so easy to listen to and you break down some complex material, some you know, medical doctory material into very plain English, simple processes. I loved that. Mm. Oh, I loved that it was quick and easy that I could whip through it when I wanted to whip through it. Yeah. And it gave me some really, and it's about that body rebalance program. It was really about that reminder for me of some key elements to look after my health and wellness. And I've even shed a few little sneaky kilos which were a bonus yeah. that's not what the goal was the goal was about mm. that to re revitalize I guess yeah and I think um well a I'm very happy that you've done the program and you've you've found it beneficial and two, it's really just you know again learn a way to learn why why you do what you yeah. do and I think this is where Again, some diet, you know, diets and meal plans or that just give you what to do and say, well, do this and you'll lose weight is unhelpful. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. You need to understand the, the, you know, the physiology behind it, which is a bit wafty and medical, but as you said, hopefully we break it down. And for lots of people, once they fix or address or balance their physiology, then they're right to go and that's enough. That's all they need. The four weeks is enough for them to, to go on, 
especially, I guess, like you who, who've clearly got, you know, skills in mind management and you've done work and you know how your brain works and all of those. Some people have never done any brain work as, you know, as you would know. And for those people, we, we run a 12 week program, which is a lot more intense around mind management and all of those things. But we only run that three times a year. So the four week people can do whenever they can stop. They can just, you know, buy it tomorrow if they wanted to. The 12 week, they have to wait till we're running it. Okay. What we'll do is we'll add your details to the show notes so people can follow you mm. and Dr. Mary. So it's real food, real life medicine, sorry, real life medicine. Yeah. Um, but we'll have the details there and you can follow um, Dr. Lucy and Dr. Mary to find out more. Like we've kind of just been talking not into the details because there's a whole lot about hormones in weight management as well, isn't there? And there's a lot of yeah. um, elements that, it's not just a one quick, easy fix. So I, no. I think follow Dr. Lucy and Dr. Mary to find out more about that. And do you do, do you do personal consultations anymore or are you doing the programs? So I, I'm, I no longer work in my clinic. So I had a clinic that was super busy, but interestingly, I spent a lot of time saying the same thing to the same people. <laughs> and that's why we, that's why we developed the programs. And we run those, as I said, the 12 week one is very intense because, you know, Mary and I are right in there. The four week one is less intense, but I still do private consulting because again, I've got a lot, I see a lot of people who particularly have had trauma and they need to untangle their brains, untangle what are they doing? Why are they doing it? They've got, you know, so much shame and guilt and, you know, last year, I did a show on the ABC, which was Magda's big, uh, what was it? Magda's big health yeah. journey. Yeah. And in that, we talked a lot about and Magda herself. She's had lots of trauma and, mm. you know, it's, it's not just eat less and move more. No. It truly isn't. If it was that simple, bloody hell, we'd all do that. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. It's really just learning yeah. to know yourself and understand all the parts of your brain. And why they're doing the things they do and that it doesn't, they're not bad or weak or hopeless. They're just looking for something that food provides them. Yeah. Do you know what I find the same when I'm working with clients as well? That there are some things that people can fix themselves. It's often I find, you know, the mind that created the scenario, it's hard to fix it in that same mindset. So having somebody externally help guide you through a process and ask the questions and also you probably see some stuff you know the patterns that people often don't see themselves they often don't see themselves so we'll we'll have all of your details in the um show notes what what fills your cup aside from helping people to feel great about themselves and life what else what fills your cup yeah so i guess (laughs) It's funny because as I look out the window here in Melbourne where it's cold and miserable, I'm wearing three jumpers. Uh, I, I actually love, I love the sunshine. I really do. I love going out in the morning when it's sunny and I, I do swimming. So, you know, as a little side note, then it's a whole nother story, but I, I have muscular dystrophy. So I have a significant disability and no longer uh, really walk a lot. 
at all, really, but I can swim. So swimming for me is now my um, thing of, you know, exercise that is, that feels good. Um, I do it because I like it. It improves my mood. It makes all my joints feel good. I don't do it anymore to flog myself. So yes. yeah, so I do. <laughs> so I love that. And, and as you said, I, 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 every now, I love, um, you know, I love crafting, which, makes me sometimes feel like I'm 90 because, oh, I love a bit of crochet. I'm not very good at it. I don't do it to, you know, I just do it because I, I like I like the repetition of it. I like the thing. I like creating something. And honestly, the other super daggy thing that I really love doing is jigsaw puzzles, which, again, is really fun. I do them with one of my friends when we're on holidays. It's like, oh, that was fun. So, yeah, so they're, they're the things. I love that. I love I'm with you. Love sunshine. That just boosts mm. my mood. I get very, you know, the seasonal yeah. affected disorder. That's a real thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. I totally. get affected by, totally. yeah, doom and gloom, like temperature, but also moods and stuff. So sunshine. Yeah. I haven't swum for quite some while, quite a while. Used to be a big swimmer. Mm. Haven't done that. And I also am a crochet beginner. I love yeah. the the doingness of something, but if you put a jigsaw puzzle in front of me, I would probably, I don't know, I'd have to stab my eye or something. That's not the thing. But, okay. but I reckon we'd have a lot in common. We could do crocheting Indeed. together. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing is that I guess the other thing in amongst all of that is just, you know, deep connections. Yes. I'm no longer interested in superficial hoo-ha can't be bothered and there'll be a point where I get to these days where I've done enough chatting and you know some poor person will sit next to me at the bus stop or whatever and I just think don't talk to me I'm done but if 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 it was my good friend who came and sat next to me I'd be like oh my god I love you where have you been what have you been doing and all that stuff so do you think that's an age thing as well do you think that's you know a a right that we have with the number of birthdays that we kind of go yeah, no, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I don't need to do that. That doesn't make me happy anymore, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Lucy, it's been an absolute joy to talk with you and we'll have all of your details, programs in the show notes that people can find you and, you know, I'll be in touch about the little hobby farm to find out what excellent what miniature cow to get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, we have. We've got a miniature Hereford. He is super cute. And he's he's little. He's not much bigger than a Shetland. Um, so, yeah, it's good. That sounds good. All right. Yeah. Thanks, gorgeous. Oh, See wonderful. You. All right. Okay, Thank bye. you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.